before we jump into Nehemiah chapter 12, 27, we've got to put some context on that baby, okay? So I'm going to give you the Regal Cinema preview, all right? Not the whole, like, I show up to the movie 35 minutes later, you're like, just play the movie, not that, but just like the Regal Cinema preview, and then we're going to jump into Nehemiah 12 so that we kind of understand some context to it. So if we were to pick up in Nehemiah chapter 1, we're introduced to this uh, this dude named Nehemiah who's working what we'd probably call his mid-level job under a king. And what's so amazing is, is God has put him in that position. As, as If you just read the story on your own, it's really cool how, how it unpacks. But Nehemiah is about to have that moment. I, it's a saying that I say and I've heard, and I realized the other day that not everybody says this, so I have to unpack it. But it's, the saying goes like this, like we're all one phone call away from hitting our knees. This is the, the, the moment you, you get a phone call and it's like, hey, hey, dad is not doing too good. Or mom has been diagnosed. Or grandpa doesn't have too much long. Or there was a tragedy. And it's that moment of just like, no. And, and you go from like the, the to, to caring about things that really don't matter to like that moment of like tears welling up in your eyes. Like, ah, oh, like that heartbroke moment. And this is what Nehemiah is experiencing. He's 800 plus miles away from his hometown, which is Jerusalem. And his brother makes a visit and he gives him news that actually wrecks his heart. And his brother says, your people, our people are in pain and they're struggling. And the city that we once knew where people could come and meet God is now in the midst of spiritual bankruptcy. The walls have been broken down and the city is on fire. And what's amazing to me is Nehemiah's response this morning. Nehemiah's response is to worship and to pray and to fast and to seek God in asking for clarity about what should be in his next move. And what's really powerful to me, church, this morning is, is you look to the book of Nehemiah, we, we only get to the second chapter before we begin to see that God has put this God-sized dream on Nehemiah's heart to go back to the city of Jerusalem, a city that is spiritually lacking to becoming a place where people can see God again. And it's really cool to me because the question we have to ask, well, what does Nehemiah do with this God-sized dream? Well, he starts to put feet to the promise that God had put on his heart. And we see him fundraising. Some of you are going, oh, I've heard this. Like, yeah, we've been tracking as a church through the book of Nehemiah. He begins to fundraise. He begins to gather resources. He begins to gather people to help him. He takes people and he sees what is and then he casts vision for what could be. It's this amazing moment. And, and so... I don't want us to miss this because I'm literally going to hit the fast forward button and then we're going to jump into Nehemiah chapter 12. And what we're actually jumping into is a text of seeing a God who is being celebrated for keeping his promise. The God-sized dream that God put on his heart in Nehemiah chapter 1 comes to fruition in Nehemiah chapter 12. Now from chapter 1 to chapter 12, I encourage you to go read it on your own. You will be encouraged and you will be strengthened in your faith. But as you read, let me tell you something. Getting to the promise wasn't always easy. And was it always perfect? No. But what's really cool about the story is they keep their eyes on the Lord. And as they keep their eyes on the Lord, we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27. If you're using one of our Bibles, I guess your Bibles, you made me feel like I wasn't a part of the church. If you're using one of your Bibles, uh, Nehemiah chapter 12 in, in verse 27, we're going to jump into the text. I'm going to read it. And then I just believe that God is going to unpack some really cool things from, from this verse. In Nehemiah chapter 12, it says, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem... 
They sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, with singing, with cymbals, harps. I had to look up how to pronounce this word. Apparently it's lyres. I used to call it lyres. Um, y'all can forgive me of that. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the village of, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. And so... There's this moment, I'm sitting here reading the text. I'm just gonna, this is how I read the Bible. You don't have to read the Bible like I read the Bible, so you're free. But I just imagine this moment where people are, are worshiping and praising God and, and the most talented musicians have, have all gathered around. And, and so I just imagine like Nashville before Nashville, Hillsong before Hillsong. If, if you've been in Nashville long enough, I just imagine like live on the green without the smell of green, you'll get that later. And then, and I just imagine like the end of, of Hunger Games uh, like the last part with all the colors, like that's just how I envision it. And so people are celebrating and praising. It's this amazing moment. Now, just for a moment, like let's all, like hashtag TB, like throw back to when we had a childhood imagination. And some of you are artistic and you still have this and you are blessed and I love it. But just imagine, like get in this time machine with me, right? It's, it's big so we can all fit. And imagine that God takes us back and we land at this celebration. Now, just for a moment, I want us to take our eyes off the one who is being celebrated. Now, it's not heresy. I'm going to bring us back. So the one who is being celebrated, and this is what I want us to do. Take our eyes off the one who's being celebrated and begin to walk throughout this crowd. Because as we begin to walk throughout this crowd, I believe that there's three people who are going to exist throughout this crowd. Now, I want to be fair to the text. You're not going to read in the text that these three people are found. But I'm telling you, if you'll trust me, from life experience, from personal experience, and from ministry experience, these people exist. And it's quite even possible this morning as we go through this and, 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 and work through this that some of you go, oh man, that's me. And so the first person that I want to introduce us to this morning as we walk throughout this crowd is the first person who I believe steals the glory. And if you like to take notes, maybe you can say steal the glory or glory thief. And these are the people who will find some way or another to make what God has done about them. And I can just imagine in the story, this single Christian guy being like, what's up, Sean? You see that piece of the wall right there? Like, I built it. I don't know why I said that, but just like, just trying to make it about them. And, and here's the thing. I, I just want to throw this out there. Ambition is amazing. Selfish ambition is not. Wanting and crying for God to use you to take the glory of the Lord into your family, your workspace, and to the ends of the earth. That is amazing. Wanting to be on the stage so that people can see you is not. And I just wonder how many of us this morning that, that maybe the reason we find ourselves circling spiritually and not really going anywhere is maybe because we're trying to build the kingdom of ourselves and not the kingdom of God. But there's good news. There's grace for those that are prideful. So this morning, maybe your prayer to God is, hey God, would you sit on the throne room of my heart? Like, would you remove me and, and begin to sit there because I want you to reign and want to use my life for your glory? Now, let's continue to walk throughout this crowd. The second person that I believe that we would run into is someone who fears the glory. And what I mean by that is, is God wants to take us from glory to glory. That's scripture. And that what I've come to find, and I've even said in these shoes before, instead of going from glory to glory, I go from misery to misery. Meaning God is, it wants to give this person a breakthrough. 
is ready to, like, like as soon as this person gets to step into the promise and all that, has God, that, that God has for them, they, they fear the glory. And what I mean by that is they fear this, this stepping into the unknown, stepping into what God has for them. And so when the promise comes or the breakthrough comes or when they're about to grow spiritually, they have this moment, well, what do they do? They retreat. And what happens is I find that these people live in their brokenness because they've been there so long, they identify it. They built camp there. They built a life. And so when it comes time to step into who God has created them to be, in a sense, we would say, in who they're destined to be, they actually retreat in the opposite direction. You go, I can't relate. Let's bring it even, even down a, a notch. On Sundays, when, when this person is gathered around the church body, people are singing, you know, 10,000 reasons. My, my favorite song right now, it's really hot, that reckless love. Like every time I see it, I want to turn up. Like, like we're singing these songs. Like, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. And on the outside, this is what we do. Oh, you're so amazing. But on the inside, we're not actually worshiping how good he is. We're actually worshiping how bad we are. So our Sunday, every Sunday or every time we gather for house church, we we speak of it because we've become kingdom people and we've kind of created our own kingdom language. Maybe I'm the only one that's been guilty of that. And so we get around these people and Sundays become about us worshiping how bad we were this past week. And I'm just going to tell you, godly sorrow is amazing. It's in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I believe verse 10. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. But I'm going to tell you what doesn't lead to repentance, beating yourself up spiritually. And this person, like, like they'll be around people and, 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 and instead of worshiping how good God is, they just beat themselves up. God, I'm, I'm, I'm jacked up. I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. I don't deserve anything that's good. And then their worship is a praise of actually how bad they are versus how good he is. You know that song, I'm bad at love? Who's heard it? Who's heard it? We're doing participation. Like, how? Y'all sinners. I'm just kidding. I like that song. Um, so that song, Bad at Love. I love it, man. I was like watching the news the other day, and they outroed on Bad at Love. I was like, okay, I see you. I see you, news channel. Um, but I love that song. Like, I'm bad at love. Ooh, ooh. I can't, but I just love it. But you know what I hate about this song? There's only one part I hate about it. She got the lyrics wrong. You see, we're not bad at love. We're bad at being fully known. And when God, or I would just say this. We're bad at fully known in the sense of, when people get close enough to see the ugliest parts of our heart, do we not just hit the reject button? We do it in our friendships, huh? and so we have these struggles that we're going through, but nobody knows. We do it in our relationships, and then, and then you know, we're single, and then we tell our friends, oh, it didn't really work out. When the truth is, it was working out, but the reason it didn't work out is because you pushed them away because you didn't want them to see the ugliest part of your heart. Because you're scared that if someone sees the ugliest part of your heart, they'll reject you. And this person fears the glory. And I'm telling you this morning, the part that sucks the most about it is we do this with God. We actually truly believe that God wouldn't want us. That John 3.16 is for everybody. And then right in there in the parentheses is my name. Not me. It's like, no. Like God is crazy in love with you. And listen to me. God has seen the, the worst moments of your life. He has seen the ugliest parts of your heart. And here, listen to me. If you, if you just tune me out the right, like tune in just for this moment. God has seen the ugliest parts of your heart and he's chose to stay. That night where you drank more than you wanted to drink 
Or you got around people and you're playing beer pong and and you're like, how did this happen? I'm trying to get away from this life. Listen to me. God has seen that moment. He was there in that moment and he was still in pursuit of your heart. The moment that that, that, that you woke up after a night of regret with a stranger, God is saying, hey, listen to me. I've seen the ugliest parts of your heart and if you can just wrap your mind around how much I love you, it'll actually launch you into a different life. That addiction that you're hiding from all of your friends in your community and you're desperate to tell somebody but you just don't know how, like God has seen it. And he says, I I still want you and I still love you. I don't know if you guys know this, but like we we serve a God who likes to party. I'm gonna tell you, I wasn't always a Christian. And and in Luke 15, if you're reading the text, like I've been to some parties where where you walk up and it's loud because the the speaker's like, and you're like, all right, it's about to go down. I repented, don't judge me. (laughs) But when you look to that party in Luke 15, there's this moment where it says, you heard the dancing. I ain't never heard the dancing. Like they is getting down. And I'm going, man, God likes to party. And listen to me, when, when, you, when, when, when one of God's child or children says, hey, I want to change, I want to repent, I just imagine God the Father going, hey, all of heaven, look in, look at my son, he's fighting. Let's throw a party and invite all of heaven. That's the God that we serve. You see my little girl? He's just like, my girl, she, she doesn't know her worth, but she's learning. She keeps dating losers, but we're going to get her there. And he says, hey, look, look, she's fighting. She's throwing punches. That's my daughter. And this is the hope of the world. This is the gospel that we need to preach. You know, in Titus 2, it says that grace teaches us to say no to the world. What? Whoa, no, no, it's got to be doing more. It's got to be being better. No, 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 it's grace. So when we land in in Nehemiah, in chapter 12, this moment of celebration, this moment of like just people worshiping and praising, it kind of brings me to our our, our next person. But I just want to pause and go, maybe you can't relate to that person who fears the glory, but I can't, I'll say I can. Because I look back on all the promises that God wanted to give me and was asking me to to jump into. And I'm going to be honest, when I would get to those promises, I would spiritually sabotage myself and I would run in the opposite direction. And you go, what changed? Well, I'll tell you what changed. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you, you ain't going to find it on a bumper sticker and it ain't going to sound sexy, but it's real. I got in his presence. I read and I prayed and I worshiped. I created space in my day to read and worship and pray. Read and worship and pray. One more time for those in the back. That's a new Twitter thing. Read and worship and pray. And as I would get in God's presence, there's something that shifts inside the human soul. When you hear from heaven, I love you. You're a child of God. And that brings me to the last person I want to talk about this morning is those that know how to celebrate the glory. Now, let me throw out some disclaimers. Those that celebrate the glory or can celebrate the glory have it all together. Like, that's a lie. Those who celebrate the glory have to know all about journeying with Jesus. Like, like that's a lie. Those who celebrate the glory have no sin. Listen to me. That's a lie. 
But I do know this, that those who celebrate the glory, those who come in and worship how good he is and realize they're forgiven, they're redeemed, they've been set free, they take that into their Monday. Well, it isn't in their own strength. It's actually because in the presence of God, they hear, you're a daughter, you're a son, I love you, I believe in you, you're struggling, I've seen greater, you're, you're not doing too good, I've seen a version of you that's free. This is the gospel. And this morning, it's like, I come in this space, and, and, and I love Josh, and, and, and he encouraged me so much. But I want you to know, even though I stand up here with this little $12 camelback in a Bible, and, and maybe a sermon that you'll talk about at lunch, I want you to know, I'm no different than you. Like, God is inviting all of us in to, to acknowledge that we need a Savior. And so whether or not you're, you're over here and, and you're an atheist and you've walked in this morning and you're going, man, I just, if God's real, I want to know. Or maybe if you came out of your mama singing hill song and you've never sinned and said a cuss word, Jesus. Um, but anyways, like, wherever you're at on that spectrum, I want you to know that you're invited in this morning. Now, listen, now let's kind of leave this looking at the crowd and let's go back to the one that deserves to be celebrated which is Jesus. You see, when I look to the book of Nehemiah, I see that Jesus is all over the text. And the parallels are actually insane. Like Nehemiah wanted to build back Jerusalem. Go to the book of Revelation and you see Jesus is building new Jerusalem. Nehemiah wanted to gather all of God's people from the farthest horizons. Jesus has sent us to gather his people and bring them back to God to the farthest horizon. Jesus deserves to be celebrated. You know, growing up, my grandmother, my Emma, I don't know what you call your grandmother, like Emma, Pima, whatever, but mine's Emma. And my, my Emma, she, she would have this feast. And, I, and I'm just going to just go and let you know. Like, if there's one lie you're probably struggling with, it's that your grandma is the best cook ever. My grandma's the goat. Your grandma's not. You can repent. We got a respond banner. But <laughs> growing up, she'd have a feast every Sunday. And you know what was so amazing to me? Looking back, I didn't realize it at the time. But as I was going through the sermon, God just began to lay this imagery on me. And it really wrecked me on the inside because... She would cook this feast every Sunday. And when she would call everyone in, listen to me, you couldn't get started or we wouldn't get started until every kid had found their place at the table. And when I look to the book of Revelation, 22 chapters of a glimpse of heaven, I see a God who says, hey, I've prepared the table and it's going to be a party and it's going to be a feast and we're not going to get started until all of my kids have found their place at the table. And I want you to know this morning, I don't know your story and I don't know what you brought in, but I'm telling you the reason you're here isn't because you woke up and thought, I'm just going to go to church today. No, God is in pursuit of you and he wants you to sit down at the table. And as I was praying over this, 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 this church and as I was praying over this lesson this past week, God kept giving me this imagery. Now I'm going to ask you to use your imagination one more time and then, and then we're going to sing and we're going to worship and we're going to praise. But as I, was, as I was preaching, God kept giving me this imagery as I was preaching that there was like this little library behind me. And what was so cool is, as, as this image was going is that each person would get up and they would go get a book off of the shelf. And, and what was really cool is that every book on the shelf 
had each one of our names on them. And so every person would go up and they'd get their book. And here's what was so crazy. As everyone would open their book, they would start to see their story. And so then they would see their mountaintops and they would see their valleys and they would see their struggles and their brokenness and they would see their smile and their joy and their pain and their tears. Like, like it was their story. And then, and then like the Lord just kept showing me that as people got to flipping, then they came to these empty pages. And then the Lord was like, I want you to tell my people that this is the pivotal morning. Because the question we have to start asking ourselves is, if God isn't already writing our story this morning, are we going to give him the pen back so that he can begin to write the next chapters of our life? You know, as we, as we come to a close and... We're going to, here in a second, we're going to jump into just a time of participation. Uh, there will be a couple questions up on the screen behind me. And I, I just encourage you to get in like groups of like two or three and, and to wrestle with a couple of the questions that are going to be up on, on the screen. But, and, and I love what Josh said um, just about like treating this space like, like your living room. And then also just want to throw this out there that if this is your first time and you don't feel comfortable in being uh, with other people, that's okay. Like, take the pressure off of you. Like, sit in your chair, wrestle with this. And, and so, just wrestle with the questions that are going to be up on the screen, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, we're going to circle our chairs up. And then also around, um, there's uh, communion. And so, at any time you feel prompted over that, uh, you know, eight to ten minutes of us just sitting in groups and participating, and maybe what the God is doing this morning, I just... Go to the table. Take the cup. It represents the blood that Jesus shed. Take, take the bread. Like, eat the bread. Don't take the bread. Eat the bread. Um, it represents the body that was broken for us. Now, I do want to just offer an invitation because every time I'm going to preach, I'm going to offer an invitation. If you come in this morning and the Holy Spirit, if the Spirit of God is hitting on your heart and, it, and it's saying, hey, it's time to repent and let me have the pen back. Like, we want to pray over you at the Respond Banner. And just know when you come back, you're, you're not going to be around people who are being prayed over who have never, ever taken the pin back. Like, we, we get it. Now, maybe if you've never been a follower of Jesus, maybe this morning is the time where you go, hey, like, I want, I want to become a Christian. And so maybe this morning it's actually a brand new chapter that you're starting. So we, we invite you back. We want to journey with you. We want to show you and invite you into that. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray, and then after that, um, we'll jump into a time of participation. Do not rush through this. I'm just going to be honest. It's really easy, because I've sat in those seats before, and I've felt God doing something in my heart. And I've sweated so bad, you could like baptize, you could baptize my hands. You know what I'm saying? Like you're sweating because you know God, like the God of the universe is calling you into something. But I'm just telling you, don't fear the glory. Learn to celebrate the glory. And God will give you grace as you journey. Let's pray. God, we love you. And I'm so thankful for this morning. I'm so thankful for your son. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that over these next few minutes, God, that um, you just begin to change us. Help us to look more like Christ. Help us to look more like Jesus. God, you're so good and you're so faithful. 
And I just pray, Lord, that I pray, Lord, that that the ethos at the Ruby campus, God, would be a place where your people let you write the next chapters of their life. I love you, Lord, and I pray that your spirit would fall in a powerful way just in the rest of our time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.